0: Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. You guys know I take my sponsorships really seriously here on this podcast. I want to introduce the sponsor for the next five episodes in the Women's Health by Heather Hirsch podcast, The Millie Device. The Millie device is an all-in-one vaginal trainer with millimeter-by-millimeter gradual expansion and built-in vibration, helping women overcome vaginal tightness and dryness, which leads to vaginal penetration or insertion difficulties. For more information, go to millieforher.com, and that is spelled M-I-L-L-I-F-O-R-H-E-R.com. You definitely want to check this out. Thank you, Millie, for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome back to the show. Today I have with me uh, Dr. Leo Blatcher, who is a OBGYN and NAMS doctor. We talk about NAMS a lot. That stands for the North American Menopause Society uh, in Miami, Florida. And he's joining me for the Menopause Across the Globe series. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome sunny South Florida, 72 degrees here, Sunny, (laughs) bright and sunny.
0: Well, it is, there is a little bit of snow on the ground, and I think it's a high of 33 here in Boston. So we're like a world away, it seems like. So tell uh, listeners a little bit about yourself, um, how your practice has evolved, and particularly what makes you interested in uh, in menopause.
1: So I, I'm down here in Miami, Florida. I've been in practice for over 30 years um, in OBGYN. Uh, Earlier in my career, the the practice was largely OB, and that has slowly, slowly shifted. And uh, I have mixed feelings about what I'm going to say that we're stopping OB in about six months, but that is the transition that we're in, and I'm looking forward to it. So the age range of my patients over the years has changed. Uh, Instead of the OB younger patients, uh, there's a lot of GYN patients uh, in in the transition in the perimenopause and the menopause transition, and that is slowly becoming uh, a focus of of the practice. And I need to be prepared and armed for that. So uh, in, in pursuing that, I came across NAMS a couple of years ago, and very impressed with the organization that they are, uh, what shall we say, by the book. You know, they they are they are not. Fringe and they're open to new ideas, but they try and stay by the book, which is what I've tried to do uh, th- throughout my career. I, I I don't try to sell patients anything. I don't try to follow trends. I, I you know I don't consider myself stodgy or old-fashioned, but I'm not going to do anything, sell anything that that isn't the right thing. Menopause is 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 a is a fertile area to do that. And, and a large part of my day is educating patients, uh, making sure that they're not over that they're not overtreated, and so on. And there's a, a, a lot of this is, is education and uh, you're up against, of course, the internet, you're up against uh, marketing and you're up against uh, different cultures. I'm um, here in Miami, in addition to our lovely locals, we have patients from uh, our neighbors in the Latin American countries down south. Yo hago español. Yo mucho de mi vida en español. So a large part of my workday is, is, is in Spanish.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Part of my workday down here is in Spanish. A, a, a significant proportion of my patients are Spanish-speaking only.
0: Wow. Yes. Dive deep into what is a typical day like or what is the population of women that you serve? Where do they hail from? And what is their attitudes on menopause?
1: So their attitudes on menopause depends on what their parents' attitudes on menopause were and what the doctors, where they came from. For example, so a very lovely patient two days ago, She's in her mid-50s. She moved to Miami from her country in in Central America two years ago, where she was placed on a hormone replacement that she was very happy with, that she would like to continue, except for one little problem. It's not FDA approved of here. So she can acquire it, and I wouldn't be against her doing that except the other problem is that she has developed, now that she's in her mid fifties, a couple of comorbidities. She has a couple of health problems, which we need to get a handle on before we move forward and allow her to continue her hormones. Now, she last took this three months ago and she does not feel well. So uh, what I have noticed in in this population is they want to feel well, they want to feel well. they are proactive about it. They do not want to wait until they're deep in the menopause to, to start feeling well. Patients come in uh, in their early 40s, mid 40s. They want to know about perimenopause and menopause and and they are very into maintaining uh, energy, quality of life. They do not want to wait until they start feeling bad.
0: Wow. That- that would contrast a little bit with what I see. I see certainly some proactiveness, and I think a big reason I do so much social media is to encourage that. Wait, don't wait till five or t- a decade has passed and you feel crummy. But you're really seeing patients, and I actually kind of want to ask you, are they also saying things like, I want to stay and feel and look youthful? I mean, you're in Miami. Youth is definitely a priority down there.
1: Yes, it's a priority down here. There's a lot of uh, surgery done for that. Uh, People are outdoors a lot, uh, uh, and they want to feel well. They want to feel well. One thing that we're up against down here, and I'm sure you have the same thing up by where you are as well, is certain practitioners prescribing hormones in ways that are not the best way to do it. And there's a Mm. lot of marketing that Mm -hmm. goes along with that, Uh, and a a lot, a large part of the discussion is 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 trying to get patients to take my prescription to the pharmacy and fill it, not get something that needs to be compounded. Uh, Pellets are very popular here.
0: Are are they?
1: Yes, very popular here. There are clinics who, it's all they do. It's all they do. Yes, that's that is their full time. Uh, pellets, IV infusions, uh, th- there's a lot of that down here and patients want to know why I don't do it. Uh, I said, I don't, this is not, this is not legit. I've, I've tried to be legit for 30 years, you know, and I, and I want to continue doing so. So a lot of it is education, telling the patients, look, you don't need to have a saliva test. You don't need to have a blood test. You don't need to have, go to a compounding pharmacy. You could take my prescription across the street to the pharmacy. Use your insurance benefits, and you will get what you need, and we'll tweak it as necessary. You do not need uh, follow-up tests. I have patients come with these hormonal profiles, pages and patients. I'm i pages and pages. I'm sure you've seen it. Oh yeah. Where they have had uh, <laughs> every hormone in the under the sun. Managed, you know. Every, Every hormone in the pathway has been measured. I, I didn't even know they offer those tests. And, uh, but they come in with that. And they're using, uh, supplements. So a, a, lot, a large part of my day is educating them and, and, uh, and telling them that they, they can feel well. On the wow. other side of the coin are the patients who want to stick it out. There are patients who come in feeling badly. Uh, they, they, they cannot sleep. They are having difficulty with, with their relations, with, with their partners. They don't want to take anything. And, and the WHI study still moves large. Uh, and I have to discuss it with them. I give them the numbers. Some patients are receptive. Some patients remain skeptical, not a whole lot. Hold on,
0: we'll pause here, because FedEx is here. <laughs> You can see the animal back there. <laughs> there she is. Okay, thank you, Zoe, for protecting your house. <laughs> quarantining with a dog is really maybe harder than quarantining with kids sometimes, I think. All right, I think FedEx is gone. Um, so I do have some pellet um, clinics around me, not not as much as I think as you do. Um, it must be so hard to watch. It must be so hard. It's so frustrating for me because women are fed so many myths and misconceptions, particularly that it's safer. Um, what do you say to them to get them off their pellet injections and get on FDA approved options that they can get for just you know, a mere $15 a month across the street?
1: Well, it starts at the beginning by telling them that the phrase bioidentical was a marketing phrase. Uh, patients love the phrase bioidentical. Patients love the phrase natural. And you must explain to them what that means. There's no such thing as a natural hormone where you could pluck off of a vine somewhere and use it. It just doesn't exist. Right. And they do think it, it exists. Uh, they, do, they are not aware that they can get a bioidentical hormone by, with my prescription in a local pharmacy using their insurance. They feel that they have to send away for it, get a saliva test, have it compounded. The real problem is, is that when they put these pellets, a lot of the times they feel really good. They feel really good and they don't want to switch. They don't want to go to something else. And uh, the sad part is when you ask them, what does your pellet contain? Because as you know, that they're custom-made with combinations of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. They don't even know what they're getting. And, and we have seen some irreversible side effects of excess testosterone use. Uh, but on the other hand, they're feeling well. And I'm trying to convince them, listen, you can feel well, and, and we can do this the right way. We can do this the right way.
0: I know. Do you have an idea about how much this costs your patients? Do you ever ask them?
1: Ready? $350 every three months.
0: And they line up. They line up. I know. And they're not
1: aware that this little piece of rice does not dissolve. It sort of stays there, you know. And and uh, these clinics are also serving uh, men also. They get their testosterone every six months. The, the, the women go every three months.
0: So let's go back to your patient that you saw two weeks ago. Um, so was she on something compounded from another country?
1: She was on Tibolo and she was very happy with it, you know? She was very, very happy with it. Uh, She's been in in the United States two months, uh, I'm sorry, two years, and difficulties in obtaining insurance, difficulties in learning the access to medical care here. In other countries, the gynecologist is pretty much the primary care doctor for all medical problems. Really, Um, They're considered primary care doctors mostly not the way gynecologists consider here a specialist so this patient's been here two years She just got her medical insurance she just found out she's hypertensive her migraines are are not controlled she misses the tiburone. you know she misses the effect that it has on her for the hot flashes the libido etc she wants some help i said let's get a handle on your medical problems and we'll talk again Mm -hmm. and uh she was close to tears. She, she was mm. close to tears. She, she wanted to leave my office with a prescription and I kind of felt bad that I didn't give her one. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we want to do no harm first.
1: You want to do no harm first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the next question I wanted to ask you is, do you end up doing a lot of endometrial biopsies because you have patients who've been on compounded uh, prescriptions or um pellet injections or have abnormal bleeding, and how do you talk people through that because that's something I haven't talked about terribly much on the podcast is doing biopsies to be sure that there's no, no. uterine pathology or anything wrong in your uterus so how do you well, ha- how do you tackle that?
1: Well, first of all we s- we see quite a few patients from other countries and from here on unopposed estrogen
0: Oh, really, ah, they do that. Yes, yeah. actually, I've seen a few cases, but yeah. wow! How 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 does that happen?
1: There's quite a bit of that. There's quite a bit of that, and uh, we have patients uh, that their primary doctors from here have been taking care of them, or their gynecologists in their countries have been taking care of them, and they are on either totally unopposed estrogen or a tiny amount of progesterone, which is not going to do anything. So if the sonogram shows something of a thickened endometrium, then we do a little office endometrial biopsy here. Have I ever uncovered pathology? A little bit, a little bit. You know, uh, not enough to say it's not worth doing. It's definitely worth doing endometrial biopsies here and there, uh, especially if the patient wants to continue her hormones. You mm-hmm. know. But we do see unopposed estrogen. We, we, we do see estrogen and progesterone regimens that don't quite make me happy. So biopsies are often done. We could always, uh, we we can, for the most part, accomplish that in the office fairly easily.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of unopposed estrogen, but sometimes I have from other countries. Do you think that's miseducation or or lack of understanding of prescribing hormone therapy? Why do you think women are getting unopposed estrogen?
1: Well, they're getting it because their practitioners don't know enough to log on and join MAMS or, or any other. You know, the, the knowledge is out there. The The, the, the concept of unopposed estrogen is not new. Uh, I can tell you that Uh, When I started practice 30 years ago, uh, I encountered a lot of patients who came in for their monthly shot of Depoestradiol once a month. They looked great. (laughs) These women had a lot of energy. They looked great. They would not give up that estrogen for anything, but they were not on on a progestational agent. It wasn't the right thing to do, but it just goes to show you a woman could feel better on a on hormone replacement therapy. We've just got to get given the right one.
0: I know, exactly. So I always say, you you know, back to the point about the uh, pellet injections, that usually that first round people feel fantastic. <laughs> and you know, they're getting a really whopping dose of testosterone um and estrogen, but certainly I think that the whopping amount of testosterone plays a big role. Um how do you do you do topical testosterone or do you do, uh, you know, how do you kind of try to wean them off that, that, that really high testosterone level well, and get them on something more sustainable?
1: I try and, and just use estrogen and progesterone. And very often they don't need the testosterone. And if they do, then it's, it, it's a bit of a gel, but most of them uh, do very, very well with estrogen and progesterone. You know, a transdermal patch, and micronized progesterone is very often the way to go and and they do just fine
0: yeah agree you know nams did this really nice uh position statement at the end of 2019 looking at testosterone placement mostly having a role in libido i sometimes find even just with estrogen they start sleeping they stop flushing you know they feel better in general and so libido then goes up so you, you know this idea of giving women so much testosterone I just don't know, you know, I I can guess where it came from. It makes a lot of people a lot of money, (laughs) and it makes us less popular trying to do the FDA approved of the right route and explain why and unmarket them. Um, But it is the right thing to do.
1: Especially if their husbands are getting testosterone also.
0: Ah, that's true. That's true. They don't
1: give it to the clinics.
0: Ah, okay. I got it. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, that must be, that must be just... I mean, that must be hard to watch. It's got to be hard to watch. It's hard to hear about, so it has to be hard to watch. I I
1: will quote the patient directly. My husband's taking testosterone. I will not be left behind. Really? Just like that, yeah.
0: Wow. It's hard to come back with something after that, you know, especially if you see it day in and day out. I
1: I promise I will not leave you behind.
0: (laughs) You get a lot of questions about cortisol, cortisol levels, cortisol, cortisol, cortisol.
1: I get, uh, I've i seen several patients recently diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. Fatigue. A lot of that. And they're placed on a touch of cortisol or touch of something. And uh, I refer them to an endocrinologist that I know. They usually go to a primary doctor who does a little of this and a little of that, and, and you have to point them in the right direction. So they don't request it from me, but they come in with, with, with the issue at hand for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, I certainly see a lot of marketing for bioidenticals and pellets, but there's also this, I'm starting to get a lot of questions about, well, you know, isn't it my cortisol? Do I need to fix my cortisol? Is my cortisol causing weight gain? And I always say, well, you're in menopause, you feel crappy probably your cortisol is raised, but we can't just target cortisol. It's a, it's a question I've been getting asked more frequently. And uh, I think it's another one of those things that we tell women that that's what's wrong and that's what they need to fix and and they'll fixate on it so they can feel better. Um, And, you know, we're kind of in a a pandemic of women who are trying some dangerous stuff to feel better. And it's hard. It's hard to see. They get it.
1: They, 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 It's out there. It's out there.
0: What other supplements, you know, from like the Latin American countries that you're close to, have you seen that, uh, you know, maybe maybe some of us haven't heard of?
1: Uh, they're not big on on supplements. They're big on drugs. They they want they want they, you know. It's my local patients that use the supplements most. Interesting.
0: Interesting. You know, but but the they the. the
1: The foreign gals, they they go right to to what they need.
0: (laughs) Just give it to me, right?
1: They go right to what they need, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the the other issue that that I encounter is the requests for hormone testing. Can you test my hormones? So Mm -hmm. if a 55-year-old comes in and she hasn't had her period in five years, she wants me to measure her hormones. And uh, you try to explain to them, well, We know where your hormones are going to be, but you have to do it anyway. They they get a bit upset. You know, uh, I think you mentioned it on on, on your lecture. You you said you cannot be dismissive. And I I remember you saying that. You cannot be dismissive of of them when they make a request. You explain, you do your best to explain it, do the test, and and hopefully uh, you can go from there.
0: And it's a really important point because People see these Dutch tests. I actually still barely know what that is. The saliva tests. And you know, there's certainly images in the media that you need all of these things. And you're right, in menopause, we know your estrogen's low. We know your FSH is high. But I try to do the the bare minimum, check those, but really try to encourage people, for example, progesterone or there's just no point in that hormone. Or even cortisol, I see very little point in that hormone, to be honest, because what do you do about it? You know, you got to well, feel better.
1: Coming in, they have their pregnenolone measured. They have their estrone measured, estriol. Every every hormone in the pathway has been measured. I don't even know why they even offer that test, but they come in with the whole thing and they get prescribed them. They get prescribed pregnenolone. You know, they get prescribed tablets of pregnant
0: it's frustrating it's frustrating I know exactly there's makes a lot what
1: it makes for an interesting day
0: it does I know I was going to say you know the, the things that I see a lot too are um, yeah the combinations of progesterone estrogen testosterone creams that they're placing in weird places behind their ear or really strange things. And so you must, you must just see that a lot. I'm lucky. I in the, lucky, I guess, you know, um, and I say lucky just because it's, it's, I mean, it's a hard conversation to have with people because they're in some ways very addicted to that or, you know, because they feel well. And I always say, I yes. get it. I get they you want to feel it. well, I get it. I can do the same thing, um, but we have to pray it out of their hands. So you must just have a lot of those conversations then. Yeah. Do you yeah. see a lot of progesterone creams?
1: Uh, some, and I don't know where they get them from. Uh, they get them from compounding pharmacies. They get them from the doctor's office. There are some doctors who stock a lot of these things in their office. Really? Uh, yeah. So the, uh, very often the patients leave a doctor's office with no. a little bag of forms huh. in different forms.
0: Huh. Wow, is um is it challenging to? Are you you? I'm assuming you're pretty fluent in Spanish and English at this point.
1: Yes. yes. Have you? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Cuban. I was born in Cuba, and oh. uh, I left Cuba six my family and I left Cuba 60 years ago. I was raised in New York, and then I came down here to escape the cold, like everybody else did. So. so <laughs> Good for
0: you. you. You made a good decision. It, yeah. You're warm blooded by nature. So you need to be somewhere warm. Well, thank you so much. Any last bit of advice for listeners who have thought about or tried or who are on bioidenticals or compounded or coming from a different background or different culture to, to turn to FDA approved options?
1: I would suggest find a practitioner who is offering you legitimate treatment. Uh, If it costs too much, there's probably something wrong with it. If you have to mail away, there's probably something wrong with it. And exercise caution. We, We want our patients to feel good. We don't want to hold anything back from them. I'm not trying to hold anything back from anybody. I want my patients to feel good. And I think we we'll all work hard for our patients to feel good. It would be very easy for me, very easy for me, to stock my office with pellets and take a little car and spend my day putting those little pieces of rice in different places. I can do that. And maybe someday it will be approved of, who knows? I mean, we, we can't be close-minded either. A, a time might come where hey, th- this is something approved of. Uh, but right now it's not. Right now it's not. And I would tell my patients and I would tell patients out there, listen, w- wherever you are, there are legitimate practitioners. There are legitimate practitioners. Seek them out and and they will help you. That's what we are here for. We are here to help. I want them to feel well as, as badly as they want to feel well, but as you said, first do no harm. Don't give them what they don't need. Don't test them for what they don't need. Don't make them spend more money uh, than than they have. And that's what I would. That's what I. Would, that's what I try and say.
0: I think that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts. From thank you. Miami. I really am excited to continue this menopause across the globe and see what providers and clinicians are experiencing, what the culture is like, what the medical culture is like in, in different areas. But it's it's also really interesting to see that there's actually a lot of similarities. There's certainly a lot of fear. And mistrust um, and the, the want to feel better is yep. is a lot of the threads that I'm really seeing so far. I've got a, a couple more countries to go to from my kitchen, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk Thank with please. my listeners. Again, I am going to put Leo's information down at the bottom of this podcast. You can find him on Instagram. Definitely follow him too. Uh, all of us menopause and NAMS doctors are really trying to sped, spread spread evidence-based facts for everyone. So thank you again so much. All right, everyone. If you like the show, please give it a like. Please share it with your friends. Share it with someone who needs to hear this from a physician and a clinician. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye, everyone.